Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kittle, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. I'm Evan. You are listening to our recap and discussion of The Wastelands, a book three in the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. All right, Chad, what did you think of it? <sighs> Man, <laughs> and this book was wild! Yeah, it was really, really good. Like, most books have Helm's Deep. That was the part that you're like, man, oh, that book rocked. This book has five Helm's Deep. It is a string of Helm's Deep's together like when i was reading the recap uh that you wrote just like preparing myself for this episode i was just like dang yeah double, like kept triple, forgetting about quadruple all the crazy yeah. things that are happening yeah and i just gotta say like i feel like it's a, a blessing beyond lucky to have been introduced to both the fall of the babel books and the dark tower series in the same year it's like discovering c.s lewis and tolkien the same year or like rothfuss and sanderson it's just just wow i'm left awestruck at my luck Probably not luck. Maybe just like choosing a really good partner who knows good works of literature. I mean, I didn't even know about the books of Babel. We, 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 that was a shot in the dark for both of us. But I mean, I knew about the Dark Tower, obviously. Yeah. And you yeah, know, you're books, a Stephen books, King boy. books one and two, like, I mean, book one is very cryptic and weird. And just, it's not, <laughs> it's not a super good representation of the entire series. Not at all. But it's still really cool. But then book two gets, it's a, you know, we're getting on track here. Things are happening, but it's still, odd it's still very weird and you're still not quite sure like what the goal what is the goal here but right. now in the wastelands wastelands in the wastelands we have the cotet it's formed we've got oi which is in my opinion the most important part of the of entire cotet dude he's i mean he's foundational for me personally the wastelands is my favorite book in this series and that's not to say that the rest of them aren't really really good because they are but the wastelands just you know the the train them actually crossing through the wastelands and the description of what it looks like out there like what happened in this area they kind of allude to a few different things but it's still kind of a mystery yeah blaine's not being very informative (laughs) you see just some really intense emotional moments between roland and eddie between roland and jake between eddie and susanna between susanna and roland like between everybody Oli and jake between, between Oli and, jake, Oli and roland, Oli and roland <laughs> susanna and jake like every this is a this is a fellowship it's a real fellowship and it took a little bit to get going admittedly you know halfway through the third book in a seven book series for the you know the people to get together to go do the thing that they're trying to do <laughs> right a, it takes i mean i feel like the first few books are almost like steven's filter for like i only want the really hardcore readers who are like with me <laughs> till the end to get through this because like if you're just kind of in like eh, sometimes i read fantasy like sometimes reader the first book probably would have stopped you it throws a lot of people off i've talked to many people that say i just couldn't get through the gunslinger or even if they did they couldn't get through the drawing of the three which is valid totally fair um, but I always feel a little bad because it's like, but you didn't get to the wastelands. You didn't get right. to Wizard and Glass. You didn't get to see the end of this whole journey. Um, so yeah, wow. I'm so excited to have this this whole chance to talk to you about this magnificent book. Uh, let's just let's just straight into the recap. Are you reading it this time, right? Yeah, let's do it. The Wastelands begins five weeks after the ending of the drawing of the three. Roland, Susanna, and Eddie have moved east from the shore of the Western Sea and into the woods of Outworld. After an encounter with a 70-foot cyborg bear named Shardik, they discover one of the six mystical beams that connect to the Dark Tower. The trio follow the path of the beam inland to Midworld. Roland now reveals to his quartet that his mind has become divided and he is slowly losing his sanity. 
He remembers meeting Jake Chambers in the way station and letting him fall to his death in the mountains. However, he also remembers passing through the desert alone and never meeting Jake. It is soon discovered that when Roland saved Jake from being killed by Jack Moore in 1977, he created a paradox. Jake did not die and thus did not appear in Midworld and travel with Roland. In 1977 New York, Jake Chambers is experiencing exactly the same mental divide, which is causing problems at the private school he attends, as well as angering Jake's cocaine-addled father. Roland burns Walter's jawbone, and the solution to his dilemma is revealed, but to Eddie instead of Roland. Eddie must carve a key that will open the door to New York in 1977. Jake abruptly leaves school and finds a key in a littered vacant lot where a single red rose has bloomed. Jake is able to pass into Roland's world using the key to open a door in an abandoned haunted house on Dutch Hill in his place and time. This portal ends in a speaking ring in Roland's world. During this crossover, Susanna has sex with an incubus, distracting it while Eddie continues to carve the key which will allow Jake's safe passage to Midworld. Once the group is reunited, Jake's and Roland's mental anguish ends. Roland has now completed the task of bringing companions into his world. Following the path of the beam again, the quartet befriends an unusually intelligent Billy Bumbler, whom Jake names Oi. He becomes the fourth and final member of the quartet. In a small, almost deserted town called River Crossing, Roland is given a silver cross and a courtly tribute by the town's last ancient citizens. The Cotet continues on the path of the beam to the city of Ludd. Before arriving at Ludd, the Cotet hear the drumbeat from the song Velcro Fly by ZZ Top, playing from the city, although Eddie at first cannot remember where he has heard the rhythm before. Later, the drums are revealed as the God Drums, to which the inhabitants of Ludd constantly fight. The ancient, once high-tech city has been ravaged by centuries of war, with the residents being divided into two factions, the Pubes and the Greys. One of the surviving Grey fighters, Gasher, kidnaps Jake by taking advantage of the near accident the team faced while crossing a decaying bridge. Roland and Oi must then track them through a man-made labyrinth in the city and then into the sewers in order to rescue the boy from Gasher and his leader, the TikTok Man. Jake manages to shoot the TikTok man, leaving him for dead. The Cotet is eventually reunited at the Cradle of Ludd, a train station which houses a monorail that the travelers use to escape Ludd before its final destruction brought about by the monorail's artificial intelligence known as Blaine the Mono. The ageless stranger, an enemy whom the man in black warned Roland that he must slay, arrives to recruit the badly injured TikTok man as his servant. Centuries of system degradation have caused Blaine to go insane. Once the travelers are aboard, it announces its intention to derail itself with them aboard, unless they can defeat it in a riddle contest. The novel ends with Blaine and Roland's quartet speeding through the wastelands, a radioactive land of mutated animals and ancient ruins, created by something that is claimed to have been far worse than a nuclear war, on the way to Topeka, the end of the line. Well, okay. And I uh, I just looked up how long of a wait it was for people between when this book was published and when book four was published because of that wild cliffhanger. Yeah. Can you guess? Can you guess how long people had to wait? No. Six years. Oh, boy. I mean, <laughs> that kind of puts a feather in Rothfuss's cap. 
What do you mean? Ruff, Ruff I mean, is, it's been like a 12 years for us. Yeah, but you know, he's only twice as bad. It's not like <laughs> it's still pretty bad. It's not like a thousand <laughs> times worse. Like totally, when looking yeah. at someone like Sanderson, you know, he's like, well, I bet you he uses that to help sleep at night. But that is a <laughs> that's a cliffhanger, though. I mean, they're speeding along on this psychotic train. Who I loved, by the way. Like what? Yeah, tell as me about this... tell me about what you thought about him. Yeah. So as if the story wasn't wild enough, the Blaine situation was out of control and ridiculous. Yeah. And surprising too. Like I I kind of thought that it was gonna be like, yes, they're speeding away, everything's good now, they're aboard the train of safety, and the train of safety is now actively trying to kill them. And they leave the city with Blaine being like, peace out, city, and nukes it basically. But I mean, oh my gosh. I was just I was on the edge of my seat the entire way through this book. It is ridiculous. Yeah, and you know as bad as bad as that situation is, when you find out Blaine is actually gonna kill itself. It's, yeah, it's still a surprise, you know, it's because it seems like Stephen King did a really amazing job at like making the train seem like just another kind of like weird, evil character that had wants and needs and desires and stuff. But it's right at the end of the book. No, the train is suicidal. It's going to run them off no matter what. And it's just you get this feeling of helplessness. Like, I just got my friends together. We just got everybody together and now we're going 800 miles an hour through this apocalyptic wasteland and this train is going to run itself to death like oh man but then they come into the nick of time though and riddle contest baby wouldn't be a fantasy series without a riddle contest uh, at first i thought it was really funny how seriously uh, roland takes riddles you know i was like this is kind of just funny and then it turns out to be a major part of the story i gotta say one of my favorite scenes of the entire book is Roland kind of just being like, I've had enough of this disrespectful train. And he stands yeah. up and he's like, I have not traveled over generations and thousands of miles to be disrespected by an ancient piece of technology that is going bad. And just like, that is willing to like, what did he say? Like kill his friend. Cause the uh, Blaine kept talking about another train that he was, had a friendship with or something um, that he let Patricia die. Patricia. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know that's so willing to let his friend go and he was just like oh he called that train out so hard and i was just like i was reading it just like yeah i think i was standing actually i was like yes <laughs> yes yes like i was just uh, i was all about that well and then there's some i think the text says that the train could tell if roland wasn't being authentic in him calling blaine out like that if he would have shown any kind of fear blaine would have like killed them anyway and just right. known he wasn't being real about it so that I mean, he meant it. He really, really meant it. And even Eddie is just like, "What the hell is going on right now?" <laughs> Which is That's a so really funny. cool. I love it when it, it's so powerful in a story when someone stands up for like what is right and and kind of just says, "I don't know what the end result of this is going to be. It very well could be my death, but I am willing. I, I'm unwilling to let this continue. Like I will stand up to this and just like enough." And it was uh so satisfying well were you expecting jake to come back into the story the way that he did not at all really that must have been really interesting for you yeah tell me about it okay so i really love roland's dedication to the quartet because he could have he could have lied about the fact that he's going insane and been like not nah, like in most stories i feel like that's what would have happened that it would have been this big thing that we discover like you know it's like a party divide but if anything it brought the group together more because he was right way up front with them was like all right guys i'm going insane take my guns 
so I just really liked that aspect of his like dedication to the group that he has formed and then that leading to Jake being pulled over and that scene was absolutely insane <laughs> insane insane like yeah. and it's kind of like fucked up too. Or, yeah I mean, it's it was... kind of messed up a little bit too like it's Susanna has yeah. to have sex with the incubus in order to distract and it's like she it's cool because she kind of is like no I'm gonna get she's like I'm taking control take... of this yeah yeah problematic but it was really cool yeah uh I mean the first time I read that uh it was kind of giving me like you know like there's a there's a part in the end of it that's really weird like in the sewers um and it was like close to it's not even it's not even close to how weird that that one scene is but yeah wasn't expecting that on my first read through uh, it yeah. kind of makes. I mean, it makes sense in the what's in what's going on for sure. I think it, it's kind of a weakness in the book. I mean, it's good. It's good for uh, Susanna to kind of have like that that arc kind of close a little bit with like her and Odetta and stuff. And I think I see what it was, but it, it felt almost like King didn't know what to do with Susanna in that moment. Yeah, you know, because he has Roland go through the door and save Jake. Uh, uh, ultimately, Eddie's the one that's carving the door out and had to carve the key and everything. And just from reading it, it almost felt like King didn't really know what to do with Susanna in that moment. So just have her have sex with an incubus. I yeah, guess. I, I mean, wish it was like I a mental struggle or like a power of wills or something. But it seems yeah. like, really I don't know, it seemed unnecessarily graphic and weird. Yeah, and kind yeah. of like <laughs> undermined her character a little. Like not, I, it was just weird. It would, and rubbed me like kind of weird ways. And I was just like, oh, like I want to like not celebrate her actions. But what she's doing is actually really good. It was very confusing and kind of odd <laughs> yeah, it's like the the character almost benefited from it in a way like that's the way it was written yeah like, i didn't yeah no <laughs> so i didn't at like, all whatever. it was never i thought it was kind of interesting that it was never brought up that eddie was like hey did you have to what happened there i was busy doing my thing carving the key and i saw some weird stuff out of the corner of my eye well uh did you catch that uh susanna might be pregnant I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a and whole. I, so actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and retract what I said. I'm going to go ahead and retract what I said because, um, yeah, oh, that right. that scene actually. Now that I just asked that question, that scene obviously was important. So yeah, right, never mind. and it kept so weird though. Man, the whole pregnancy <laughs> thing kept every time she mentioned it, I got like super nervous for because I was like, does she? Is she have an incubus baby inside of her right now? We'll see. We'll see what's going on with that. Uh, just another complication for the quartet. You know, oh, the only person that's goodness. not complicating this situation is Oi. Can we talk about Oi for a second? Oh, man. What, what you a think about bright Oi? light. Like, yeah. if there were, we kind of needed Oi. Everyone else is really complicated and struggling and overcoming their inner turmoil and growing. And, like, Oi is who he is and doesn't need to change at all. He's just perfect the way he is and can continue being that the whole way through the story. Oi is, Oi is like a connection to Midworld, right? Uh, even at the very end when this is like the second or third to last page when Blaine says, okay, Roland of Gilead, Jake from New York, or Jake Chambers from New York, Eddie Dean from New York, uh, Susanna from New York, and and then, but all, but Oi from Midworld, you know? From Midworld, so, yep. Uh, it's like this tie to where they're at. I think they're technically headed towards a place called Endworld. So at the very beginning of the book, they're in a place called Outworld. Uh, and then they're in Midworld, and then they're in. Once they're on the path of the beam, they're in Midworld, and then okay. they're headed towards Endworld. That's my understanding of it, at least. Let's talk about the beam. I loved yeah. the concept of the beam and how it's like once you kind of. It's kind of like the 
um, the air conditioning, right? Like you don't hear it till it goes off. You're not even aware of it, but it's all around you constantly all the time. And that was like, he did a really good job of stating like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. But before yeah. that, you didn't even know that it existed. You know, it's just a really cool and clever way of giving them direction. direction. Yeah. What'd you think about the giant 70 foot cyborg bear? It's a cool oh, sentence. Shadik? <laughs> Shardik. I know, right? Without, uh, Shardik? Yeah, Shardik. Yeah, um, um, it's based on the um, uh, Richard Adams book. Um, like, I think it's in connection with Watership Down. I don't know if oh, you really? Remember that. Yeah. No, I haven't uh, it's like a, It's pretty loose. Um, but go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I mean, when I was reading the summary, it was hard for me not to like giggle and be like, this is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but there's a 70 foot cyborg bear that they get attacked by. And uh, he's also almost... got parasites coming out of him, too. He's got like yeah. little worms and stuff. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was a really he was a vehicle to serve um, t- to show them the portal to like get where they needed to go to find the path of the beam. And then also to show them that the whole world is kind of in this state of disarray, like every world is dematerializing and everything is breaking down and rotting and he was just like he served as an excellent vehicle and then just also a vehicle for awesome like a 70 foot yeah. cyborg bear attacking the party and just and then also another vehicle thing that he did was um Susanna was like she took him down you know so yeah. she got a whole lot of confidence out of that role and was like no you the mental picture of her like on his shoulder or on his hip with like a gun like ah there's a uh, Michael Whelan painting that's really popular of Susanna on Roland's shoulders with a big giant revolver shooting at that bear. And it's it's like one of the best uh, depictions of anything that's going on in these books, um, besides a couple more things that we're going to see soon. But yeah, Susanna, uh, what did you think about the uh, like the chant that they do? Like, um... I, d- I do not shoot with my eye. Or no, with my hand, he who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of their face father. Of father. I, I shoot, shoot with, with my, my mind. With my mind, yeah. I can't remember yes. exactly. So it has yeah. ever been, Susanna Dean. I do not kill with my gun. She who kills with her gun has forgotten the face of her father. I kill with my heart. And then, <laughs> then even kill Eddie... them for your father's sake. Kill them all. <laughs> and then uh, even Eddie, um, when he's killing like those little machines that are kind of around Shardik's little lair, uh, he's not in a mindset, right? Um, it's very clear that he's he's freaking out. He doesn't like this whole situation. But then he starts saying it, and King writes that like this coldness comes over him. And I thought that was really really cool because the coldness that Eddie is feeling is the coldness that Roland is always feeling. Right, that that coldness is the reason that Roland let Jake drop. That coldness is the reason that Roland is continuing to lie to Jake, which I think is something else that we should talk about, um, because. How heart-wrenching is it to have Jake come back through this door into Midworld and hug Roland and say, you're not going to let me drop again, right? And Roland is like, I'm never, ever going to let you drop again. But then the very last sentence of that chapter is, ah, I, he might like, but will drop again. Come on, yeah. Roland. But it's true. There's that coldness, right? The coldness right. that was conditioned into Roland in He's his an operator. Yeah, exactly. He's the last gunslinger. Like this is all things serve the beam. They all things serve the tower. Like this is his mission. And the Cotet, he doesn't know yet whether or not the Cotet is a means to an end. He doesn't know whether or not like how much uh, how much the tower supersedes the connections that he's making along the way. He has to make that call for himself, and he has to be cold about it. He's been taught he has to be cold about these kinds of situations. And so 
with that kind of chant or uh, mantra that Roland is teaching to Susanna and Eddie, um, they're getting in on that too. But I don't think that they quite understand it yet, but it's they're gunslingers too. He's training them up as gunslingers. It's just beautiful the way that that all weaves together. Yeah. And it's it's a very smart thing to do just in real life as well. Like train a bodily reaction to like a um phys- a verbal thing that you say. And so like when you do this action, you say these words and then you train a automated response to your body to relax and breathe or whatever it is, you know, clear your mind. Um and then over a while it becomes so associated in your brain that you can just be like you know, I do not shoot with my or whatever, speak the mantra, and uh then your body will kind of follow and you'll go into that cold state of just being an operator which was oh, like i said the mental picture was awesome that scene was also disgusting i almost like actually <laughs> retched because eddie is covered in like little worms and bear snot and like yeah oh and then <laughs> right after made me laugh uh which is impressive if you can make me puke and laugh in like 20 words um because he comes face to face with a bear and he thinks to himself like i have never come face to face with absolute lunity and then immediately amends that and be like well I have looked into the face of that world-class B, Detta Walker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. And I think I've got a pretty good handle on it, but I just want to hear your thoughts on it. What, what does remember the face of your father mean to you? Uh, I mean, maybe it's like a like you haven't been trained to the point of expertise yet. You know, like your betters have, your peers have, your, your, uh, your elders have. Like remember how much farther you have to go. There's a lot of like uh, loyalty involved in Gilead. There's a lot of um, uh, propriety and things like that. And you know, like Roland's dad, Stephen Deshane, is held to a very high degree of respect. So that's kind of like how I look at it. It's more like a respect for your elders kind of thing. It's like, fairly clear to me. But I mean, what do you think it is? I thought of that like a surface level. Yes, it's like a remember to respect your elders, but. More than that, it's like a you are the summation of the past events. So for good or bad, mistakes and um, you know wins, wins and losses, you are the result of all of those. And so remember what made you who you are, and don't ever let something that you have to do right now make you forget where you came from or um, like the foundational values that you are built upon. Yeah, oh, I like that a lot. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. it's just like a really cool like I don't know, I just a really like deep is like remember the face of your father. For <laughs> your father's sake. Yeah, for your yeah. father's sake. You have forgotten the face of your father. He like like chastises people sometimes like you have forgotten the face of your father. <laughs> it's like people are like, "What?" <laughs> no one else knows what it even kind of means. I know, if can you imagine if you're just out in public and somebody said that to you? Yeah. It would stop me in my tracks. I'd be like, "Did I?" Dude, <laughs> next time someone cuts me off and like a line at something, I'm gonna be like, "Excuse me, <laughs> you have forgotten the face of your father, sir." What and, if they're uh, big Dark Tower fans though, and then they're so stoked and you become friends, even that though would they be the cut best result. You in line, yeah, they would be reminded of propriety and I'd get a friend. It's funny. I love like reading back on my old notes because a lot of them come from a place of ignorance that I learn later. It's so, like so now, like I have a question here, like why is Roland so convinced that Jake is a false memory? It's like, well, that yeah, was written totally. at the very beginning of this book. Okay, so after the bear, and they go back to the bear's lair, and they find the portal to the beam. There's like a box and a door that Eddie presses his ear up against, and he hears whispers of death and desolation and emptiness, and Roland pulls him back. I didn't get it at all. He says something about like walls being silent, and the halls of the dead, and everything being forgotten in the runes of ruin. And then Roland says to Eddie, uh, yeah, no, nothing from my world is doing well. 
So it's like maybe Eddie was able to peer or at least hear into his world or something. I don't know. So the thing with this area of Midworld, um, just this world in general, at least to my understanding, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to all of this. And I'm kind of still refreshing a lot of my memory on this. But basically, there was like these old ones, right? And they had a handle on technology. They were getting really, really technologically advanced. Um, the tower was part of it. Um, but they kind of went past um, any point of like responsibility. Like they were going in between dimensions to go watch uh, disasters take place. You know what I mean? For like entertainment right. and stuff. Um, and then as kind of, they kind of like took it too far. Um, and then as kind of a, um, uh, I don't know, kind of like recompensating for like the damage that they had done, they kind of like built these like artificial portals and beams. Um, to kind of like keep the tower up, um, but since then, the the reason people are saying the world has moved on is because like the all of that's now breaking down, right? So like when it, when Eddie like puts his ear up against that thing, as, as to my understanding at least, it's like that is the world moving on. Like this, like the, all the technology is dying. Like Blaine is going crazy. Um, there's still remnants of different, you know, pop culture and things that the old ones had brought back through dimensions and stuff. That's why there's like that ZZ Top song um, that's been playing over and over again. And then over the years, people have misinterpreted it, um, called it the God drums and things like that. Um, the world literally is moving on. It basically right. ended. It's in the process of ending. And the tower and the beams that support it are breaking down. You know, so like that was kind of an example of the technology, the advancements that the old ones had made, like kind of breaking down. That was like Eddie's interaction with that. That's my understanding of it, at least. Um, okay, getting that makes wrong? sense to me. Okay, so a few things. One, King does a really good job when he tells us a series of events. He's like a really good YouTuber He'll, who will say like the the like the best part of their video, the funniest, or like the. Um, What's the the punchline? They'll say the punchline first, and the then hook. you're like, wait, what? Yeah, the hook. And then yeah. they'll go back and be like, but I'm this person. They'll be like, you know, you'll hear somebody be like, you know, two hundred dollars in twenty minutes, not bad. And they'll be like, hi, I'm Ed, the <laughs> your entrepreneur guy, you know. Um, and it's like it hooks you right away. And he does that when he's telling his like a series of events. He'll go to just the juice, and then right before you kind of find out what happens fully he'll go back and then retrace his steps or you'll see it from another person's perspective and he kind of fills in all the gaps leading up to it and it's just oh man it's a great way of keeping me engaged at least yeah he messes with that a lot because he's not necessarily showing parallel events as they're happening simultaneously he kind of backs up a little bit right um, he doesn't do it all the time but especially... and not in a confusing way no it's not confusing at all but it's just nice to know um it, it can be a little bit jarring sometimes because you're like oh that hasn't happened yet Okay, so this is where we are. You know, it takes like maybe a paragraph or two to like really understand exactly where you're at. Um, but especially when things are really gaining in momentum, like the last scene in Lud when Gasher has Jake and Roland and Oi are trying to go grab him and stuff, and Eddie and Susanna are off dealing with their stuff, and there's a, there's a lot going on. You know, it's jumping around, and Stephen King really likes um, writing in short chapters. Yeah, like really, really. Sometimes I don't even, one word. Yeah, or like one word, one sentence, maybe one paragraph, but then he just moves it along and switches um, points of view, which, I mean, it'll make you keep reading. <laughs> if anything, Absolutely. it'll, yeah, it'll rocket you to the end of the book for sure, especially when the momentum is picking up in the way that it is at the end of this book. 
Well, and think about like the last part of like the Phantom Menace or something. We have all these different groups that are all having a goal that's very important to the storyline. It's constantly jumping back and forth, like gunfight to the uh, Gungans fighting over here, and like Pat, uh, you know, Adama, um, Queen Amidala, and her group are trying to like go up and do whatever. You know, it's like going back and forth. So it's just a really cool way of doing that in book form with the jumping of chapters, which I think is really cool. Okay, I have another question, uh, and I just want to make sure that I'm not missing something. Because the bookshop that Jake goes to, where he gets the riddle book and then um, the book about the trains, the owner's name is Calvin Tower. And Roland reacts to this when he's hearing about it. And then we don't hear anything about why he reacted to that. Was it just yeah. that his last name was Tower? Or am I supposed to know something beyond that at this point? I don't know. Like, I, I, like It's one of those things that seems really significant. And Roland really does... You know, it puts him, it, it, he's perturbed, shall we say, um, about Calvin I thought Tower. it was more of a surprise. Yeah, surprise. Um, I mean, you saw it in Drawing of the Three where Eddie, Eddie's boss, um, I can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> it's already Balazar. Already, Balazar is his, the place where he does business is in the Leaning Tower, right? Um, so there's multiple references. And there's even stuff in New York where, like, they're in Turtle Bay, you know, which is, right. like, a neighborhood in New York. Is it Turtle Bay? They're in Turtle Bay in New York, and then there's, like, the other end of the, the beam that the bear is on is the turtle, you know, and then there's, like, the right. poem that that Roland knows, like, the see the turtle of enormous girth. On his shell, he holds the earth. There's a lot of interplay between uh, what I'm going to go ahead and call dimensions here. And, you know, it's expanded even more in other Stephen King books, <laughs> which is just a whole other thing we can get into at some point. But, um, yeah, like, there's there's just a lot being carried over. And I think that that, I don't really, I could be wrong about this, but I think that that was just one of King's ways of showing that. You know? Right, create like an anchor point to be like these worlds are all connected. Yeah, in weird ways, you know. Right. Um, but also there's such thing as coincidence, you know. I mean, there's such absolutely, thing as, and you know, what is coincidence and what's not? Like what? I mean, all things serve the tower. All things serve the beam. You know, um, there's a lot in that sentence, right? It's right. <laughs> there was also it's so it's such good writing. Okay, so. Uh, King is saying, you know, yes, most of these things have a lot of deeper meaning, but he also reminds us with this little awesome tidbit that some things don't. And it's that Jake's father only has a middle initial, which doesn't stand for anything. It's just <laughs> a letter is his middle name. And it's like, I think it's King's way of very cleverly being like, while most things is dripping in multiple layers of meaning, not everything is. Some not things everything. are just what they are. <laughs> Jake's dad. <laughs> it's oh my just God. like totally gacked like all the time <laughs> just the depiction, the depiction of him his hair is all messed up and he's just like doesn't care about this kid at all he's just is sick of being inconvenienced by all this kid's bullshit right. can you give me status <laughs> that's all i care about but yeah what did you think about jake's mindset while he was in new york i mean obviously he's got this kind of split situation going on that's very similar to what roland's going through but I thought it was interesting that Jake really wants to go back to Midworld. Because Roland didn't necessarily express that he really wants Jake to come back, right? But Jake, you, you see through his perspective that he wants nothing more than for the next door that he opens to lead back 
to Midworld. And what do you think? What was? Why do you think he wants to go back so badly? Do you think it's his home life, his school? He's not happy about it, or is something else pulling him? I think it's Ka. At the end of the day, Ka is pulling him to it. But you know, there, his life is not super great. And if there's anyone who's kind of looking for a change and maybe something to inject a little meaning or be a part of something bigger than themselves, um, his life would certainly be in want of that. So I think it's kind of that. And also, it's peace for him. You know, like he basically took a hit of acid and didn't really know it and then is going crazy for the next like two weeks and it's just like oh, i need a way to get this to end right and yeah, that totally. door is the like physical representation of like peace inner peace for him right it's like he knew that as soon as he did that it would stop it would right go away. what did you think about the rose in the vacant lot <sighs> I don't know. I don't yeah, know what might, the rose... that might not be the question to ask right now. Actually, now that I, I think, about it. it's okay, really cool. So what it, yeah. What it means to me was because it's in like a vacant lot, so something was built there, destroyed, and then now new life has been found. So what it means to me is hope, right? Like, yes, the world is in a state of um, like de-evolution and breaking down, and it's corrupted, and its systems are failing, but there is hope. And if certain things, which I'm super unclear as to what can happen, um, then we can have flowers flourish once again. And that ro rose is kind of like a representation of that, I think. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, without giving any spoilers away, I will say um, there are things, and it's kind of close to what I was saying before, but there are things that kind of mirror other things. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm just going to throw the word twinner out. That doesn't mean anything twinner? to you right now. doesn't mean anything to you right now. Oh, it sounds won't. dirty. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, like just remember that like uh, King is really trying to show us that we're not just operating on one plane of existence right now. You know what I mean? Like the tower is the nexus of all universes. The tower is the nexus of all dimensions of all realities, you know, and reality is very big and very, very complicated. Um, yes. And so there's, there's a lot here. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't have asked you about the roast, but I like that. No, 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 we no, have I... to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Okay. The key though, I, I was, I might have been standing again. I don't really re remember, but the scene where he's like shaving it down, trying to get it perfect. And there's Jake is in this haunted house with yeah. the house itself becoming a demon creature and trying to like, Oh my gosh. I was yeah, just that's... like, go, go. I was yelling. I was sweaty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like one of the best parts of it too, because um, Eddie and Henry in 1977 were looking at that house and it had been mentioned earlier in the book that this house was really terrifying. Uh, it's, you know, it's been just repossessed or whatever. It's just in shambles. Um, even Henry is really scared of the house. It's creepy. Jake just walks right in there. And you as the reader, you're just like, are you seriously oh going God. into this house right You've now? never seen and, a horror movie? And, you know, Jake walks in. There's uh, spiders land on him. There's a bunch of spiders in the house. Red flag. Know. Yeah, I mean, like the way that the way that King described the weight of the spider, and like Jake fell down and it broke apart like a warm, like cracked oh egg god. on his back. Like, there's the King we love. There it oh is. Oh my god, I was cleaning. I used to manage this uh, mattress store, and we had these big eaves out. This was in Eugene, where it's very moist climate, and there's a lot of bugs everywhere. And I was cleaning the eaves once with this big long brush, and I broke open 
I'm not, I'm not a big spider guy at all. And I broke open a sack of spiders. Oh, man. And it rained down on me. And I Whoa. have curly hair. And it's like, if shit gets stuck in there, like, I'll find leaves in it, like, hours <laughs> after I was outside. And I didn't even know, because it just, like, stuck in there. In high school, kids, like, threw shit into my hair. You could stick it if you were a good throw. You could get the pen to, like, stick, you know? Uh, <laughs> the pen always sucks. You know, I was like, dude, you actually missed and just gouged my head. Thank you. Um, but that just like reminded me of having those spiders, like thousands of little spiders all over me. And that is my nightmare. And I have some personal experience with that. And it was awful. One thing that I didn't really like about that sequence is that Roland comes in and saves Jake. I wish that Jake had just been able to get out of there. Like, I think that like, I mean, Roland coming in and saving him makes sense. Cause he had already like let him go or whatever. Right. But I just wish, I wish Jake had had that agency. You know, he'd already gone through this haunted house. He'd already done all this stuff. He got his pants ripped off and everything. It would, it would have just been cool to see Jake, like, jump through there, you know, instead of having to have Roland come in and, like, lift him out of there. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. just like, man, give it to Jake. Come on. You know? yeah. But that's just I, a that's a really, that's a nitpick. No, obviously. I agree with you. I kind of was a little disappointed, too. I was like, I mean, it's cool what they're doing because, like, he needs to rebuild trust in Roland. And he's totally. like, okay, he's yeah. got him. But at the same time, you're right. He deserved that win because he did he's 10, everything 11 yeah he did everything like, he left that is school insane. yeah i don't know that was like um one part of that's just like the the part of that sequence where it, it almost like killed the um like the suspense for me because it's like ah roland's here obviously it's, you know, it's gonna be fine right you roland's know? got like, it um but yeah the the house monster <laughs> oh my <laughs> just, goodness and it, jake's realization that um the house is like uh kind of like turning in on itself and becoming a bigger yeah. monster and then uh when king kind of switches the pov for like four paragraphs to just random people that are on the street watching yeah. what's going on it was just such a nice touch to everything because this is this is actually happening this isn't happening right. in jake's head this isn't happening in roland's head it's not happening in midworld it's happening here in our plane of existence in 1977 there's other people watching it and this people house on the streets can is... hear this house screaming as it becomes alive yeah <laughs> And what a cool like monster, right? There wasn't a monster in the house. The house is the monster. It was just great. What did you think about Roland and Eddie and Susanna and Jake and Oi happening across like this population of people that are still living outside of Lud? Uh, you know, they kind of it's like their Imladris, their Rivendell almost like moment. Yeah. Right? Um, what you, yeah, what it was actually that? a little council of Elrondi. Actually, now that you say that, yeah, they get fed, they get hospitality, or like maybe it's like uh, Lothlorien or something. But you know what I'm saying? It's like their yeah. resting point before they go on to the next big thing. It was nice as it served for like a little break. It was like a nice little, um, like almost a palate cleanser. You know that you yeah. were just like, oh, vibe cool. Check. Like they're still good. Yeah, a vibe check, perfect. Yeah. It's a vibe check. Um, and also, it served a really cool purpose of kind of giving the, giving us the reader the weight of Roland's gunslinger position. Like these people exalted him as like a prophet or like a, you know, like a, just a very highly regarded thing. And we didn't, I didn't at least kind of understand the full weight of what he was until I saw other people giving him that level of respect. And I was like, okay, he's part of a very respected like order. Yeah. So they're like knights. Yeah. Kind of. They're basically like knights. Yeah, they're like paladins. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. Um, yeah, it's like a knight that fights for good. Yeah, and it gave us some world building too. And we got to see into the lives of people that are living in this area. They're right outside of Lud, but they all haven't gone insane or anything. But they can hear the drums. Uh, wait, they can hear the god drums from River Crossing, right? I mean, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
Um, There was also a really interesting conversation after they left, which was Jake asking, I think the group, but Eddie responds like, well, why didn't we insert something that they could have done to help the community? And Eddie was like, well, then, you know, we would have done this. And then it's like, well, it's not really cool that they're out hunting. We could probably do that too. And then, well, we could also build this little wall that would help them protect themselves. And the string, you know, one thing would have led to a bunch of other things that would have delayed their ultimate journey. So they kind of had to make a call of like, what is the bigger good? Yeah, but it's such, such a weird part of their journey where they don't even know what the bigger good is. I you know. know. It's, I don't it's know. interesting. Well, I mean, and that's some of that coldness that I was talking about before. And like, I mean, Eddie is really coming to trust Roland uh, in, in his weird Eddie way that he trusts people. I also right. still believe that Eddie is replacing Henry with Roland. Um, and he also sees Jake as himself and the Henry to jake also um there's like a weird kind of like thing going on there um there's right. a lot of like brotherly love going on there um but yeah eddie uh spelled it out really well right there but it's also like jake had a really good point there because it's almost like why not just stay here though where are we going you know like roland hasn't done a especially good job at explaining like why exactly they need to get to the tower like Roland needs to, I mean, because Eddie and Susanna are ostensibly trying to get back to their world. It's that's not really as much of a thing anymore as the contact keeps growing and as the journey keeps going on. But right. it's still a little bit like, you know, Eddie pulls a gun on Roland most multiple times in this book. Uh, one of my favorite lines is like when Eddie says, "I'm so fucking sick of your jive, man." Like he's just, yeah. he's so sick of Roland's like how, how cryptic he is and how he's not willing to. He's being withholding, you know, or at least Eddie feels like Roland is being withholding. Mm-hmm. Roland doesn't even really know. Like, like Roland just knows he has to get to the tower, you know, so there's a lot of mystery still here. So it's very valid of Jake to say, those people were super nice to us. They fed us. They obviously need our help. But why don't we just hang out there? But it's equally mm-hmm. valid of Eddie to say, like, if we stay there, we're never going to leave, you know? Right. And we needed a little bit of breathing room and for the characters to kind of kind of lock in the lessons and the craziness that they've gone through. Like there was a really cool conversation between Eddie and Roland afterwards. That was um, where Eddie was like, Hey man, like you don't need to trick me. Like I'm here. I'm here because I want to be, if you died, I would still go to the tower because I am in this and I'm committed 100% and you don't need to lead me or trick me or create some sort of like carrot reward system just know that i'm with you you know and it was like a really just cool yeah it's interesting eddie has a dream um kind of towards the beginning of the book where he sees the tower and that was kind of a that was almost like a clincher for eddie where you know up until that point he very strongly just wanted to go home um yeah you know he's interested to a certain extent but he really wanted to go home and now it's almost like i have to see this thing whatever this thing is i had a glimpse of it in this dream what the hell is this? Also, it leads back to Roland going insane. It needed to happen because the group were following Roland up at that point. There was no, but then Roland became kind of not the in the the guy in the driver's seat anymore yeah. because he's like, I'm going insane. You guys need you you need to take like responsibility and kind of lead this. And it was a cool way for them to be more committed to the journey and the story overall was to kind of remove him from being the leader and force them to rise to the occasion, which I thought was really cool and and clever. I wanted to ask you, there's a part towards the end of this book where a mysterious person 
comes and kind of revives uh, the TikTok man who Jake shot in the face. Um, he kind of like pulls back his skin or whatever. That was weird. Ooh, uh, ooh. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about uh, all that? Okay. Well, let me answer that with a question here because I even was kind of surprised when I was reading your summary and it was like this person that the man in black reminded or told him that he was going to have to overcome or something. And I thought that that was the man in black, but it's not. <laughs> Who even is the man in black? Who man? even? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, good, like... good answer. Because who? Yeah, okay, sure. But there's like, there's like, there's like Merlin. There's Walter O'Dim. Yeah, there's the man in black. There's Randall I Flag. There's fully it, thought there's... it was the man in black the whole time. But then in reading the summary that you wrote, which was very good by the way, I loved it. I was like, oh, okay, I guess it was not. And then it did remind me of the cards and him like talking about these you know beings or people characters that he would have to overcome so i was like oh, I, I guess that wasn't the man in black but like was it not the man in black in that chapter he's fanning the wizard <laughs> so we've got a whole yeah, other name fanning here the wizard yeah they must not draw closer to the tower than they are now yeah we'll uh, we'll, we'll find more don't, don't even worry about it I, i'm very curious as to how the tiktok <laughs> man is getting out of that city because it was like gassed i think they were underground um when it was gassed and maybe the gas dissipates they weren't they weren't like in the streets where that happened yeah but i mean so everyone um running out of the because like it starts panic and the blow under city and everyone's like running to the top if they just would have stayed down there they wouldn't have been okay maybe parts of it or something okay but i mean he's a wizard yeah Uh, he's a wizard he just like created a globe of protection yeah magic 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 magic. (laughs) yeah what'd you think about gasher your old oh pal gasher gosh what a <laughs> slimy old like conniving like ugh, what a so cool good. position to put jake in though for the reader at least because like yeah. multiple points where gasher's just like i'm about to die i don't give a shit like yeah. i will kill you right now like <laughs> it's just really, no yeah. f's given like when he's like, facing off with roland on the bridge he's only looking at roland i remember that that line specifically because he doesn't break eye contact with roland and he he says something to the effect of you know that I've got nothing to lose. And Roland yeah. just says, yeah, I know. I know. Like, I will kill us all right here just to is, make a point. Yeah, this is... And even Eddie says, why did why did you do that? And Roland's just like, dude, you know... We all knew. Like, that guy... Right. <laughs> that guy he was gonna... Beyond. Yeah. I really liked how that whole turn of events ended because whereas Jake wasn't able to or wasn't, like, allowed to kind of seize the victory and have his moment in the house as Roland had to save him, um, Jake did it. Oh, yeah. In that scene, like he shot yeah. the TikTok man in the face. He, in the he face. saved himself in the face. And he's 11 again, which is like, well, <laughs> rough. Yeah. Uh, this 11 year old fucking rocks. Like he Dude, goes he into rocks. his dad's yeah. office and takes his gun and the bullets and the magazine and everything and knows to even like pack them separately. And so it's just, right. He's, he's I was like, well, what a responsible gun kid. owner. <laughs> and then just the fact that he had the balls to go into the haunted mansion like we've yeah. all encountered those places that are like oh i don't go into maybe stuff like that. actually no. thin places between the realms you know no. and you're like this place is dark this is an evil place and you feel it in your bones it's like you know to flee you can feel it in your soul jake feels that acknowledges that and then proceeds forward and i was like this is the definition of courage so as we start closing out the episode i want to talk about uh the main event of this book besides oi which oi is oi is the actual main event um but i love oi so much (laughs) it just gets better and better um but the blaine the mono 
uh, Charlie the Choo Choo. Oh my that, goodness! That's I want to hear all your thoughts about Blaine. I don't know why, because I've never been like really. I've been very indifferent to trains. There's people who are super into trains. I'm not really one of them. Um, but now trains have been kind of moved into like a clown category in my brain. Right. Yeah. Like that was scary. He yeah. was like evil, like, but not even evil. He was insane, which is yeah, a whole different totally, breed of totally. evil. Yeah, you know, no, which is just like sure. sometimes we just like like uh, some men just want to see the world burn, sort of like evil. Like it's like an indifference. Uh, I'm just doing it for fun. Yeah, like Pennywise in it is, in my opinion, like evil incarnate. Right. Yes. He's he's fear incarnate. But Blaine, yeah, you're right. He's just completely is. He's a he is a evidence of a world that has moved on. He is yes. technology that has been abused, uh, left to be left to rot, essentially. Forgotten. You know, he is he's like the distillation of all the bad decisions that the old ones had made uh, into one uh, sentient being. Um, and you know, props to Stephen King for coming up with essentially like a network that Blaine was operating on by being able to control this whole city and everything. Um, you know, in the, like. 1990 right i mean it's not like he created the internet or anything but it was just like it's a some pretty cool technology for a book that was probably being written in 1989 1990 you know that was definitely ahead of its time like you know the internet wasn't even really wasn't a thing until two, 1999 or something um, I think it was 94 or 95 that we were all using i mean i don't uh, know i didn't totally, we didn't have yeah. a computer that had internet until I know like 97 mean, yeah. i think <laughs> yeah yeah like i said the train's have been moved to the clown category in my brain because that train truly scared me. Like he was just like the shuddery. It's the sort of evil that is almost, the, in my opinion, like kind of the scariest because you can't reason with it. No, not at all. Well, except like, for Roland, kind of does, but not even. Roland not really. Chastises it. Yeah, it's a difference. Yeah, he like outflexes it. Right, he's not and reasoning then, with him exactly. Yeah, right, and he doesn't say no to the situation. He says yes and. He says okay. Yeah. If you want to play a game, let's play this game, and I will actually beat you at it. How about that train? And that—that's exactly what the train is looking for. He's going to yeah, go down anyway. He doesn't want to be bored. so. He loves this. Yeah, he wants a life and death situation. He's already put himself there, and so it's like it was really hmm. smart what Roland did. But also, I was like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, little Blaine. It made it even scarier, in my opinion, because you've got this yeah, what little, is little voice. Blaine? Um, I'm not really I'm not, like really a subsystem. Noise. <laughs> it was Sorry, I was like laughing at myself. <laughs> uh, I think it's um like whatever's left over of what Blaine was supposed to be like. You know, this kind of more amicable, uh, like almost like user interface type. Okay, thing. like the the leftover kind of personality. Right, that, he was the graphical but, user interface. For, okay, okay. Yeah, um, but it was a lot scarier though because little Blaine is just like. He's gonna he's he's gonna wake up. Don't wake him up. He's gonna be so mad. And it's just like, wait, what is what is gonna wake up? What is going on right now? And right, like this like, computer that's are been you? hiding yeah. from the other computer. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you know he's speaking through the speakers all through the city and everything. And just, uh, the one of my favorite parts of this entire series, one of the most visually stimulating parts in this entire series, one of the most immersive, most vivid, is when Blaine. Um, kind of like makes the inside of the train mm -hmm. transparent and they're basically floating along tracks and he, then he right. zooms he makes it look like the ground is zooming up to everybody uh, he's just zooming in on the ground obviously but the way that just King describes everything. it 
Yeah. Um, and then you can see these like pipes that are like in the ground that these creatures are kind of like like dipping into for like sustenance. There's this, this greenish, bluish glow out of it. And it's like, what the hell is under the ground right now? What is going on here? Right. There's these pterodactyl things flying through the air. There's all these creatures everywhere. This total wasteland. That's what it is. It's just ah, oh, god, it's so right. Good. And the coolest thing is like, you know, we think of a wasteland that's like no life being there, but no, more powerful than that is where like a twisted, kind of like ravaged, like like the the afterthought of life still holds on. It's like even worse, you know. It's just like oh, yeah. He said it was worse than a nuclear bomb. Yeah, worse. The the old ones wreaked havoc on this area, and now there's just these pterodactyl things flying around and. Oh my gosh, that scene, you're right, it was the most vivid, especially when they just leave the city and they go like blasting off the cliff face kind of, and they're like, boom, yeah. and they're like out into the wastelands. And it was also interesting that the whole book is called The Wastelands, which obviously they're going to cross just like, I think anyway, in the train. Um, but they didn't actually get to it until the last 20 pages of the book, you know? Yeah, I think it meant more just like, that's where they're headed. That's totally. what the book is. The book is ultimately about the wastelands. and Right, and the folly eventually. of. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I'm excited to get to Wizard and Glass because a lot of people say Wizard and Glass is their favorite. That seems to be, at least um, from, from the reading that I've done on different forums and stuff, because I went pretty hard into the Dark Tower for a little while there, and um, now I'm getting way back into it again. Or Wizard and Glass seems to be the kind of crowd favorite. I, I don't want to give anything away, but I don't like it as much as The Wastelands, but I think you will. I think you'll like okay. it quite a bit. I don't know how he could do better than this. I was, I was sad when it ended. Yeah, those six hundred pages really flew by. Yeah, in fact, it's been difficult for me to not read the next one before doing this podcast because I finished it a couple days ago, um, and I wanted to read on, but I was like, I don't want to give anything away. I want to go in from kind of a place of just there in the story, totally, and yeah. talk about and my you thoughts and not too, know because, anything. Yeah, because uh, I will say at least that we pick up right from that moment. Um, which is great here. Glass. It's my favorite sort of thing. Oh yeah, totally. Actually, I mean, the first like the prologue is just the last few pages of the wastelands. Oh, perfect. Pretty cool. Stevens, did you read Stevens like afterward that um, he wrote? Not for it the was really cool. He was like, um, you know, this this story like my best works. I am I'm not even writing it. It's like pulled from me. Like I'm a spect yeah. I'm a spectator along with you. And he kind of writes it from like a who even knows what will happen? Will even everyone get to the end? I don't know. And I can not assure you that everyone will. And like it was like a really cool tell you lots of things and tell you nothing simultaneously. And also thanking the readers for like being along with him on this journey. It was just a really cool uh, um little little chunk of words at the end there. And I just thought it was meaningful. Yeah, he says uh <clears throat> books which writes the Books which write themselves, as this one did, for the most part, must also be allowed to end themselves. And I can only assure you, reader, that Roland and his band have come to one of the crucial border crossings in their story, and we must leave them here for a while at the customs station, answering questions and filling out forms. Ah, <laughs> that's so great. So good. <laughs> they wrote that in 1991, and everyone had to wait six years for the next one. But oh, he was he was putting stuff out between them though. I mean, he put out like, okay. like the Green Mile and Desperation, and um, I can't remember what else came out in that that period. But some good stuff. One thing that before we wrap up here was also just like a high point for me was in a lot of books that have like a romantic 
you know, two characters are, are having a romance and it they don't at the beginning of the series, so it develops with over the course of the story. There's a lot of usually that's used as like a trigger or a lever in the story to like they're gonna be divided at some point. Maybe that'll happen onward, but I'm really glad that it didn't happen in this book. It was nothing beyond like a aw for yeah. me. This like it added like some like warmth to the story. And I just really loved the fact that they were kind of they never hated each other. They were never divided. They were always uh, with each other and in love with each other. And it was all good. Like, I'm glad that after the scene where they get Jake through the portal, that there wasn't like a, what were you doing with that incubus sort of thing? You know, I'm glad that didn't happen. Uh, it needed to happen. Yeah. It was just, it's just heartwarming. Yeah. Eddie and Susanna are fantastic. They're great. Yeah. We, we love Eddie and Susanna, but we love all of them. Except for Roland. It's funny. <laughs> Susanna is so... Yeah. Susanna is an awesome character because she is like... You'd think that the, la- the, the lack of legs would be a huge detriment, but actually, it's a strength because as they're carrying her and kind of suffering and slogging the miles when they can't push her, even when they are pushing her, it's harder than someone walking with them. It's building strength in them it's they're they're like wearing uh, like weighted armor like goku or something you know it's like they're being <laughs> toughened up by their like the the weakness is actually a strength you know it's just yeah. a really cool way of being like hell yes yeah susanna you're gonna like susanna especially in book five i'll, I'll that's, that's, that's the biggest spoiler i'll give you for, for is that the book of the song of susanna uh no that's wolves of the kala Oh, okay. And then Song of Susanna is number six. I don't know where we're supposed to read Wind Through the Keel. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're supposed to read it between uh, books six and seven, but let me look it up real quick. Even after you've read them all, you don't know when? Well, I haven't read uh, Wind Through the Keyhole. Oh, really? No. Uh, it came out after. I did not know that. Uh, Wind Through the Keyhole came out after um, the seventh Dark Tower book. Oh, okay. Also, are you, um, and I bet your listeners are wondering as well, are you going to read another Stephen King book in addition to this for your one every month, um, this thing? Because like, this so. is clearly yeah. checking that box. Yeah, you know? it's checking it. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know if rereads counted, but um, I don't know. I don't really feel like well, reading. You're also reading? I don't, I don't want to read two Stephen King books. In, or I don't want to, I mean, yeah, November, well, I'll have read like two or maybe even three Stephen King books, so... Yeah, I don't really and the went through the keyhole is a new one so like hey yeah that's the one I'll... Ding. <laughs> there we go Boom. <laughs> uh, but yeah so... and we're sleeping good tonight <laughs> so somebody said on reddit here um you can't so the general consensus is to read it after book seven the very first time you go through but on subsequent reads go th- between books four and five so i think we should just do it between books four and five um, four and five okay interesting for some reason i thought it was between when i got the box set it was between book six and seven so same so I, but i think most people would consider it to be book 4.5 like it's supposed to go okay. with book four um and if it's about what i think it's about then it makes sense so yeah we'll do that all right i think that'll do it for us today here uh that was uh yeah that was wastelands wow such an awesome book it was an insane ride it's it's so nice to reread stuff like this and I mean, I know so much about the Dark Tower, and I've—it's very close to my heart. But if there was one way that I could read this series again in an even better fashion than I had before, it's reading it with my best friend. So, Ugh. damn, dude! Like always, I cannot agree more. This is so much fun. I'm so excited. Like when I'm reading the books, I'm like, oh, I'm so stoked to talk about this with Evan, and just the knowledge that I get to share it with you and everyone listening is just makes the whole experience like more meaningful. 
and kind of I take it more seriously kind of when I'm reading it and it just it, it serves my to benefit my experience as a reader a lot so thank you everyone and thank you Evan for being awesome well I appreciate that Chad you're awesome too uh-huh. you look great yeah you look great <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for being part of this episode and for reading along uh, this amazing series right right here with us. It's uh, so good. It's only going to get better. It's going to get a little more a little more weird. So buckle in. Well, Chad and I will be with you for this whole ride. Um, you can look at the Discord, go in on the Patreon, like just you know you know get in there in the conversation. Uh, there's a lot of conversation to be had. And, you know, even not connected to book reviews kill, like go check out the wiki. There's a huge Dark Tower Wikipedia. There's a huge community that's not even just our community, although our community is the best, obviously. Duh. But, um, you know, go Don't in and look at some stuff. You know, <laughs> um, this is one of those series that you want to geek out on it. You want to get really invested in everything. And because I promise you, um, it pays off in a lot of ways. And also it doesn't pay off. It's Can I make a prediction before we sure. end? Yeah. Okay. I think Roland is going to die at the end of this story. And I think that Eddie, Susanna, and Jake will end as a family unit, them raising Jake and living out their lives somewhere in happiness, hopefully with Oi by their side, though I think he's going to be sacrificed in an awesome way. Okay. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, don't say anything. I'm a brick wall. Uh, The only response I need as we end here from you is the response to long days and pleasant nights. May you have twice the number. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.